0: We did not sit down and write this book together. We wrote it separately, sent it to our editors, and then read it, which I think is beautiful about it because it really is our own unique perspectives. But I don't know how well we would do writing a book. Well, well, I know how
1: well well we would do. Jamie had dreams early on. She's like, my dream is like to write a song with you because I'm a songwriter. And uh, we tried writing a song together one time in the history of our marriage. And I was like, never again. (laughs) Nope.
0: I think I deserve a second chance.
2: Write notes. Do you see my pen? I got notes
3: right here. Yeah, I'm looking to make it a little lighter.
2: <laughs> Are we mutually aligned oh, right now? Oh my
3: goodness. Uh, there's, there's always two, two versions. <laughs> I mean, you're moving a little slow, but working I, uh, really I'm working really hard.
2: We will definitely talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Love for work.
3: Hey, it's the Love of Work Podcast. This is Jeff.
2: And I'm Andre. You changed it up.
3: Always changing
2: things. It's supposed to be welcome to the Loverwork Podcast. Keeping things new. This is Andre, and here is my co-host, Jeff.
3: Oh, yes.
2: Remember? Here we are. I'm taking over on the welcoming now.
3: Well, I just wanted to take a moment and declare we had a great night last night. I went to this cool place. They had set up these greenhouses.
2: Outdoor greenhouse. Yeah.
3: And so we had to like rent the greenhouse and we had a greenhouse to ourselves, a date in a greenhouse. It was really cute. It was freezing cold.
2: It was 28 degrees.
3: It was a great intention. We had a great time. It was 28 degrees.
2: (laughs) There was lots of blankets. We brought blankets. You brought hand warmers. I stuck them in my butt pockets though. You did. (laughs) It was great. I brought hand warmers and gloves and my gloves were keeping my hands so warm. So I just was like, what else on my body is cold? My booty. So I stuck them in there. It was great. <laughs> Hot hands in your back pockets.
3: That's innovation. Booty people. warmers. Um but yeah, today we have incredible couple Jamie and Aaron Ivy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And um man, they are they just took us to school
2: today. So yeah, they were fire today. They oh, taught us a lot.
3: They just wrote a book on marriage.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, they said they were never going to write a book on marriage. But
3: they did. And one thing that I, mean, I have learned about writing books as a couple on marriage is it basically ends up in a, a dark place
2: for all of us. <laughs> bites. Lots hard of hard bite. days. Hard Lots months. of bites. So their book is called Compliment, and we will link to it in our show notes. You want to look that up. And then they also have a great resource that we want to put in the show notes, also called uh, the 2021 Mayors Challenge, which they put something out once a month and kind of get you engaged into basically what we've been talking about all the way through is being proactive and intentional in your relationship.
3: Yeah. So as we talk about the big issues related to, you know, all these things we've been sharing about the last few weeks. I mean, the big issue that I think that we're talking about today is the relationship. I mean, and, and they kind of unpacked this for us, like the importance of having a friendship and not all this other stuff. Like if you don't have that relationship together from day one, it will be very difficult to sustain.
2: Yeah. The foundation of friendship, I think, for sure. And so, what should we be listening for?
3: Oh, we got some good stuff. Number one, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the three day fight before the photo on the back of their book.
2: <laughs>
3: I love that they shared that. Yeah. Number two, I am not Aaron's wife,
2: mm-hmm.
3: even though her name tag said Aaron's wife. <laughs> And number three, hotel redemption.
2: Oh, I hotel love that.
3: Hotel redemption. Maybe we all
2: we all need a little hotel redemption sometimes, <laughs> you know? Someday. Someday. All right, you guys. Here we go. This is Jamie and Aaron Ivy.
1: Well, there's probably two, two versions of that story. My perspective and Jamie's perspective. Um, so my perspective on it was um I was. Uh, attending Houston Baptist University and I was an intern at a church in Sugarland, Texas and it was a pretty small church like you know um, small enough where you knew if somebody new came in and uh, I remember one Sunday this girl walked in that was clearly new and uh, I just was immediately like I I should probably be a good intern and go introduce myself to this person and make sure that she knows. You know how right. to get connected, oh not, church, not that and how she to meet was tall, so not, be a good not anything <laughs> with,
2: about her uh, cute factor, but sure,
1: right, <laughs> right, right. It, I mean, now, like when you tell the story, it sounds totally shady. I think I would fire an intern, <laughs> <if> it, like, <laughs> effective, effective woman, <laughs> but that's I didn't know, so that's what I did, and um, uh, it turned out that Jamie was actually. Uh, the sister of a uh, of a high school kid that I was mentoring at the time. And so I, I knew her family really well. And uh, I fell in love with Jamie Way before she fell in love with me. It took oh, her a while wow. to catch up to what I had already fallen into.
0: So the funny thing about that is when I walked into that church, my parents went to church there, but I was away at school for two years. And my parents had started going to that church when I was away. And, you know, obviously you can see Aaron worked at church and we're both people of faith. But at that time, I could not really care that much about like church. Like I went because my parents went, you know, I'm like, I'm a good daughter. I'm a good person. But I didn't have any real desire. I didn't want to be connected. So whatever he was going to connect me to, I was not interested. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, he was nice, but I was not looking for a relationship and Aaron was not like any guy I had ever dated. So I honestly was just not even interested in dating him at first. So we became friends, acquaintances really, like we would see each other at church and stuff um, and became friends way before we ever started dating. And so that's, that's a little snippet into our love story.
1: Well, I, I was in love with her for like, I guess a year and a half or two, maybe two years before we even started dating. And and Jamie had a fiance. Oh, months. wow. So, <laughs> yeah. She
2: just like went,
1: oh, she yeah. kept going. I, she didn't want to talk about
2: like, that. Plot twist right there.
1: Oh, she was running. She was <laughs> running as fast as she could away from Aaron Ivey. Um, So she dated a guy, got engaged. I remember one Sunday, uh, that I saw her and she was like waving her finger around with a big like freaking huge diamond ring on it. Like, look, uh, look how exciting is this? And I was like, what? This is not exciting. This is the worst news ever.
0: And the, uh, then the funny thing about that is Aaron had asked me on a date right when I started dating that guy. And I said, no, like I just started dating someone. And then, you know, I got engaged to that guy. It's kind of crazy.
1: But a year, a year after I asked her out on that first date, a year later, um, she had broken off that engagement and I asked her out to the same thing, right? It was Christmas time. It was like a Christmas party. And a year later, she said yes. That
2: and the rest persistence. is history. Wow. Right there. That's like... So from yes. a year
0: from the... from fr- So from the first date, I got engaged, <laughs> broke off an engagement and then started dating Aaron <laughs> Ivy. So it was meant to be. I was
1: patient. I was. I was like, I was waiting. I dated a couple of girls like... In that year of waiting, but literally every single time I went out on a date with somebody else, I would always compare That's them to you know. Jamie Beakley. I was like, "That's, That's the one." You
2: know. What Jamie, made yeah. you turn around and actually like really see him and decide, "Yes, this was meant to be"?
0: A lot happened in that year in my life. You know, I became a Christian that year, uh, and so this relationship all of a sudden was not what I thought I I needed, and it became apparent that I wasn't. And so I broke that off and just spent. Honestly, a lot of time that year, thinking about who I wanted to be for the first time in my entire life, not just like who I wanted to be that day or that week or for this guy, but really thinking about like, who do I want to be as a person? And how do I want my life to look? And I had just always for years and years and years, just gone from relationship to relationship and found so much of my identity and who I was dating. And so I did a lot of work that year on finding identity and who I was without a dude. Like, okay, I'm going to, who is Jamie without a person? And so it's just, it seems like quick that year to year and a lot happened, but it just ended up being the perfect timing. And Aaron was just so gracious to wait and ask again after I told him no the first time. (laughs) But the thing is about Aaron, I mean, I said he wasn't like any guy I had ever dated. And so at first I wasn't really like into him. But I think that when you become friends with someone, like you're like, I really liked that. Th- that's what developed for me is like, also during that year, we were friendly with each other. We were friends. We'd see each other places. And so I started seeing him as like, not just this guy who works at a church. Cause that was a really weird for me at first. Like I'm, I, I cannot date anyone that works at a church because listen, <laughs> I am not a church girl. Um, and so I think I began to know him and my heart just went, began to soften. And I knew I was really, really um, interested in this guy's character and who he was.
1: I think that's one of the reasons, honestly, why like, even 20 years later, um, our marriage is not perfect. Um, and our life is crazy, but we built this whole thing on like being really good friends. Even before we were dating, we were good friends. We enjoyed hanging out with each other. We built our whole dating relationship, um, not on sex, not on, um, job, not on like, you know, what we both wanted to do individually. We built, we built it on friendship. Like we were really great friends. Um, even before we started, uh, dating or being engaged. And that's carried us all the way through marriage. Like right now, we still are really good friends. We still like hanging out with each other. And that's been huge for us. I'm so glad that's how our our friendship was uh, established, you know, from the very beginning. Jamie,
3: you kind of alluded to before you got together, understanding who you were as an individual, not, you know, attached to someone else or not with someone else. I mean, I feel like that's a... That's a reality with a lot of couples we talk with is this tension of who am I as an individual and then who are we as a couple? Have you guys wrestled with that in the last 20 years or is that a continuous conversation you guys are having?
0: I think it's a continuous conversation. Even as you were saying it, I was thinking that you were going to tell me, I'm sure that ended when you got married. And I was going to go, no, that did not end when you got married. I think that is... I. I don't see how you would put two people together who are obviously their own people, put them together, and then expect them to not ever have conversations or struggles about who am I on my own? Who are we together? Like, what's my identity as just Jamie? And then what's my identity as Aaron's wife? And I think that is a big struggle that people walk through. And one of the things I think has been good for us has been an open communication about that. Because let me tell you, before I did what I did now, and I had the privilege being a stay-at-home mom. And I say privileged because that's not like everybody's opportunity in the world. And I've had a lot of struggle. Like, who am I? Am I just a mom? Am I just the caretaker of these kids? Aaron's doing awesome, fun things. What am I doing? And so in those moments, we would have conversations. And Aaron was really good about pointing out the bigger picture of, you know, what it was that I was contributing to the family in this particular season. And so I think that struggle that I went through before we started dating Personally, was good for me for a lot of like leaving some baggage behind with old relationships and always finding myself connecting to a guy, and then that was my identity. So when Aaron and I started dating, and even marriage, and even now, throughout those identity struggles, I don't think I've ever been like, "Oh, I'm just Aaron's wife." In fact, let me tell you a funny story, Jeff. About ten years ago, we were at this. It was like a pastor's wife thing. Okay, so (laughs) Aaron's pastor.
1: This is gonna be good. Yeah, Jamie's worst nightmare is a pastor's wife event.
0: So two things that I have seen that have been really funny in my life throughout the last 10 years is one thing is at church, if someone new comes up or whatever, I hardly ever would say my last name. I'm Jamie because I didn't want to be Aaron's wife. I wanted to be Jamie. And so for me, it was like this conscious thing where I'm like, I'm not going to be like, I'm Jamie Ivy. Um, Now, funny thing is, if I think it's going to get me like, you know, an extra cup of coffee. I'm going to be sure and let them know who I am. But that's another story. <laughs> In the coffee line, they're like, ma'am, haven't you already been here? I'm like, I'm Jamie. Ivy, give me okay? an another one. <laughs> but another funny, <laughs> give me another cup of coffee, people. Another thing is like we were at this pastor's wife thing and it was a bunch of wives from our church. And on my name tag, it said Jamie Ivy, And then I think it said something like, Aaron Ivy's wife or something. Oh my God. And I remember feeling like, that <laughs> and I know why, I know why they were doing it is so that everyone could put everybody together. Like it makes sense. But my point is telling you, yes, Jeff, this comes up inside of me sometimes of having to fight to have my own identity, but also I have to fight not to push so hard against that, that I'm like, Aaron, who, I don't even <laughs> know who this man is, you know? And so I, it's a struggle for me to find where is my balance there. That was a long answer to say. Yeah, Jeff, I have to struggle with this all the time. Maybe not in you. Well, good and ways, probably but- even.
3: I'm curious, Aaron. On the flip side, in the I don't know how many years you've been fully pursuing what you're doing now, Jamie. But I have a feeling there's actually been a a shift in I don't know people knowing who each other is. Right. I mean, I'm sure at the church that's one thing, but outside of the church uh, that you that you lead as a pastor uh, from a pastor standpoint, a lot of people know who Jamie is. Has that been an interesting flip of being known.
1: Oh yeah, now now I'm right. Jamie Ivey's husband. Like I belong to Jamie. Ivey. Uh that has been a shit and it's been really cool honestly. Um and people ask us about the dynamics of that often. And you know, one of the things that like we did at the very beginning of marriage that's still true today is um we just chose to cheer each other on and to really elevate the other person, like for real, like make a conscious choice to elevate the other person. I think so many times in Marriages, there's almost like this uh, flattening out of each other that happens. You know, you have two really vibrant, passionate people that are into their own things and then they get married and they almost like flatten each other out or hold each other back. And then they become like a more apathetic version of themselves than they were ever intended to be. But what we found is that marriage is actually meant to help bring out the best in the other person. Like, I should compliment Jamie in a way like two complimentary colors make a beautiful, beautiful, like color. You know, when they come together, it's like, wow, that is so gorgeous. You see a perfect painting, and the way the colors work together makes it so much more brilliant than it would be if it was just one color on the painting. And that's what marriage is supposed to be. I'm supposed to bring out the very best in Jamie, and she brings out the very best in me. And so, there really hasn't been like conflict or uh, bitterness, you know, when Jamie was getting known as my husband, and now I'm getting known as Jamie's uh, husband. Wait, you're my wife. Whatever. Wait,
0: I'm your wife. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but it's actually been really, really fun to go. Wow, this is a moment right now where you are being elevated, so I want to cheer you on and support you in that, um, just like you did for me when it was yeah. flip flop.
2: I love that. I I definitely resonate with that idea. Then the other part is I feel like. As much as we can bring out the best in each other, we also can bring out the worst. Like I know exactly Mm. how to hit him where it hurts. And he probably knows exactly how to hit me where it hurts. Right. And sometimes like when life is hard and 2020 happened and all of this stuff, it's real easy to get into a cycle that's different than that. That's not elevating, but more, you know, seeing the the worst or the the difficult parts about each. How, how did 2020 impact you and your marriage? Because I think it was a rough one for us. I'm sure it's been a rough one for many of our listeners, how it impacted their marriage and relationships and partnerships. What was it like for you?
1: Hands down, 2020 was our hardest year of marriage. And not many people saw it or knew about it because Jamie and I are both, you know, we're both achievers, and we're both like, you know, um, we can put on a a face and just keep plowing through. But 2020 was a really tough year in our marriage. The only year that that was second um, to that would be 2010, and that had its own complexities. But in 2020, we found ourselves uh, going through a remodel, going through quarantine, uh, going through uh, four teenagers, like having like moved into the teenager stage. And both of us losing, like losing something. Jamie lost a lot with her job. She lost the ability to travel and to go speak and to lead people, which is what she's gifted at and also what she's really fulfilled by. I lost the opportunity to really lead a team of creative people um, here in Austin uh, because we couldn't like be in proximity with each other. So we were both going through our own like mm-hmm. grieving of losing something and the complexity complexities of COVID. And like you mentioned. It is really easy to see the worst in the other person. And we found ourselves fighting all the time. Like on our new book, Compliment, on the back is a a photo, you know, like a bio photo of us, and we're smiling and we're holding each other and it looks like we're in love. That day was one of the days that we were in a three-day fight where we had not talked to each other for three days. And then the camera, you know, the camera person shows up and we we're just smiling and it looks like the best photo. But it was, it was really tough. And what we had to do is get to a place where we we had to lay down our weapons. A lot of times in fighting, both people come with a weapon in their hand. My weapon of choice is always words. Like I know how to manipulate with words. I know how to attack people with words. I I took debate in college and so I can win arguments, but I have to choose to lay down that weapon when Jamie and I are having conflict. And Jamie has to lay down hers too. And so when two people come into conflict and you're like, okay, I'm choosing to engage in this conversation with no weapon. I'm not here to hurt you. Uh, I'm not here to wound you or to take this further, but I'm laying that down and let's talk about this. And, and that helped us a ton, just to be able to go. You really hurt me when you did this. Uh, I'm really sorry for doing that. Um, when you when you fight without weapons, it, it takes it takes a lot of the drama out and lets the person like actually communicate mm-hmm. what their heart is like. Um, Suzanne Stabil, she's an enneagram like goddess, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but she told us this story about her her and her husband. They always fight knee to knee. Like they'll sit with their knees touching each other and they'll hold hands while they fight because she says it's really impossible to fight with somebody that you're touching. And I heard that and I'm like, if there I ain't suggested no way.
3: that to Andre, she'd probably punch me in the face. So this is like a, mm, a yeah,
1: yeah, it's impossible.
2: Tough, tough, oh, yeah. tough one right there.
1: I mean, to be clear, yeah, Jimmy <laughs> and I do not do that, right? We tried one time and I was like, screw that. You're too close. That ain't working. But the heart behind what Suzanne is saying is totally true. It's like, hey, we're in this together. We fell in love. We started marriage. And it's hard right now, the hardest that it's ever been. But I don't want to wound you any more than I already have. So let's talk about this. Man,
3: you look good today, girl. Thank you. We always joke about when somebody talks to their friend on their phone that they say, Hey, girl. That's what you say. Do I say that? You do say that. That's why I said, girl, you look
2: good today, girl. Hey, girl. I have a new shirt. I got it from Fabric, which yeah. is one of my favorite like boutiques in Atlanta. And they're all over the Southeast, right? All over, yes. Yeah. But it's Fabric with a K.
3: F-A-B-R-I-K. R-I-K. Some people think it's pronounced Fabrique. But you got that cute thing just the other day, right? Yeah,
2: this cute shirt. So... Anyways, I want you to check them out on Instagram. They're at Fabric Style. And then they're also on the internets, you know, with fabricstyle.com and just remember it's a
3: K. It was kind of cool because we were ordering it for our date, date night, night. yes. And it was that morning and you were like, what am I going to wear? And I was like, why don't you just order something
2: online? Yes. So if you're local and in Atlanta, I did the same day delivery mm. and I picked a time. I ordered at like 8 o'clock. My time I picked was between 1 and 3. Y'all, it showed up at my house at 1.17. If
3: you're a dude listening to this right now, And you're with your partner and you were like, man, I want our date night to go good tonight. Wake up in the morning and be like, hey, go online right now and just order something. Oh,
2: that would be really, really nice. So we love, love this boutique. It's a women's clothing boutique, mostly that focuses on creating a place where everyone can afford to feel beautiful, which means lots of high style with heart and no attitude, no sticker shock. They are not mean to you. When you go in the door, they are super, super nice. And they believe that clothing can change the world.
3: And we are thankful they supported us and make this podcast possible. Listen, one of the cool things about Fabric is that Dana, Dana. and Angela were our first, first ever, ever guest. Episode one. Go
2: way back. Like and scroll all the way back. you can hear one of the founders.
3: If you need some clothes, go check it out. FabricStyle.com.
0: On the other side of that 2021 we've heard this same kind of story from a lot of people i don't know if you guys would say this as well but a lot of marriages really struggled in 2020 because all of a sudden everyone's hurting. Maybe that's financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, even people are dying and, and we're having to stay home and everything is just like every coping mechanism that you ever had is just pulled out from underneath the rug on you. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Um, and so I don't think that we're like the only people, I think this is a lot of people's story of how hard it was. And like Aaron said, like we got to the other side, you know about like i feel like around july we started to like turn a corner you know it's like july 1st we're like what are we doing we can't do this anymore and um what we really started to realize was man the opportunity that those couple months gave us was they were very very difficult i wouldn't want to redo them at all we were both so selfish so looking out for our own good so thinking the worst about each other but we had so many conversations like we had to talk through things we had to forgive we had to we had to say i'm sorry a thousand times and so I think Erin and I, are marriage, on the other side of that, there's something deeper to it than I think that we understood, you know, in February of 2020. Uh, And so it's weird to say I'm grateful for it because I don't really, I'm not thankful for all that fighting. But I do see that there was like fruit came from it, like something good is on the other side of it. And that makes me happy to see something good come out of something bad. But I think a lot of marriages are having to look at their, their life and go, okay, What came up during those times? And so for us, we saw a lot of things that came up and we're like, oh, I do not like that. So so what do we do next time? Like, how do we prevent that from happening again? Because let's be honest, 2020 is not the first time anyone's going to have a bad year. I mean, you know, it's, it's, everyone's going to have bad years, bad days. And so we want to be more proactive with that.
3: So you guys are both like busy people, even in the midst of COVID, you guys stayed busy. You came out with books, you came out with new projects, all that kind of stuff. Aaron, you called yourself both achievers. It seems like you guys have huge ambition. What happens when your individual ambitions conflict with one another? How do you guys unpack that? It, sometimes it's logistical, sometimes it's seasonal. I'm curious how you guys work through that together.
1: So Jamie and I have always had like one mission, one thing that we're driving towards. And so regardless of what career I have or Jamie has, we're just centered on that one thing. We want to use everything that's in front of us, whatever it is in the moment, um, to help people find God. That's it. That's our mission at the end of the day. So Jamie does that through her podcast and her books. I do that through music and songwriting and mentoring people. So there's not been a collision of ambition. It's like, wow, that's the thing we're both focused on. And so how can I like elevate and cheer you on in what you're doing? Jamie, like, I guess it was about six years ago, had this ambitious idea to start a podcast. Um, And she was a a country music DJ uh, for a morning show here in Austin and loved that, loved being in front of a microphone. Like, she had never done it before, but she discovered wow, there's something that's really thrilling and fun about communicating through like words on radio. And so she's like, I have this ambition to start a podcast and I want it to be a thing. That for me never felt like a conflict of ambitions because our mission kind of took priority there. It was like, yeah, this could be an incredible way for you to have fun, for you to use your voice for something powerful and for our family to do what our family is meant to do. Um, I think the only like collision that we have is like in like how those things work out, like uh, in scheduling and- Like
0: logistics.
1: Logistics, that's what gets us in trouble. And thankfully, we both have uh, teams of people around us that help us with our schedules and all that kind of stuff. But we've had to learn how to like how to do the logistical part, not the not the vision or the heart um, behind like what we're doing, but the tangible kind of stuff of like, okay, so who's yeah. going to watch the kids tonight? Who's going to take this kid to this practice? And who's picking yeah. up? The kid? And there's four yeah. of them, so it does get complex.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I couldn't think of anything like. Mission minded or achievement that we were, but I think I think we had a lot of growing pains when my career started to take off, and now I'm working full time and I'm traveling, you know, two to three times a month. And we have four children, and and Aaron, in early in our marriage, Aaron traveled all the time, and so it's like we flipped a little bit, and so I think having to figure that out was really hard. um, You know, five years ago, six years ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have more of a rhythm now, Mm -hmm. and our kids are bigger, so you know, like, listen, we're leaving tonight to go stay at a hotel downtown. We ain't got nobody at home with our kids. They'll be I'm fine. So you know, jealous. and so that also has been nobody.
1: A... <laughs> we we haven't planned food for them. I'm not oh. ordering pizza. Like there's no plan. You They're big you guys
0: one day. They're big. One day. So all of that to say, we can also see that different just seasonal things in our life have adjusted to that as well. Um I always look back and think, "Man, God was like so smart because I don't know that this would have worked when we mm-hmm. had younger kids." Obviously, we would have found ways, all those things. But the rhythm of our life now is a little bit easier on some ways and harder on other ways. But that's the only thing I can think of is just like those growing pains of logistical. Who's doing this? I mean, I just yeah, I do
3: want to take a moment. And I mean, they they have a really good night plan, and I think that this is a primer conversation for what potentially could happen tonight. <laughs> I'm just, I, you're well. I'm just kidding. No. I'm that's exciting.
2: We all we always say after our podcast, somebody's gonna either have a really great night or a not so great night. We just, you know, you never know how the conversation's gonna go.
1: <laughs> well, okay. you know, we're gonna have a good one. We're gonna have a great one because we're we're going back to the hotel that uh, like six months ago, we did the same exact trip. It was on our anniversary and we fought <laughs> this is the redemption. entire time. We fought at the pool, we fought in the
0: Uber it's on the redemption. Way.
1: To the restaurant, we fought eating sushi. We fought driving back to the hotel. Like, literally the entire <laughs> night we fought.
0: I it's told like, y'all, going- July July was like our turnaround. Yeah. That was the end of June. And I think it was the last, like, major moment that we had. But we're going back tonight, and we're going to look at this hotel through new I love fresh it. eyes. I, love, I yes. love that you're doing the redemption
2: <laughs> moment there. All right. So your book is called Compliment. Is this in the sense of the word as like this, the big words, complementarianism, egalitarianism, all these like styles of marriages? Is this kind of falling in line in those senses, or are you taking a whole new take and and fresh way of looking at complement.
1: We hope that we're taking a totally fresh, new way forward in this. That word complementarianism is never used in the book. Um, it's not something that Jamie and I feel like is something that we're like super passionate about talking about. Um, but there is like this element of, I think, man, like my dad's a painter and he's an amazing painter. And I mentioned this at the very beginning. And I've just always been like really kind of awestruck with how two very different things can come together and complement each other, whether it's like food, you know, like you, you taste like one thing and then you taste it with something that's opposite and you're like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. The best artists, the best chefs in the world are the ones that understand how to put two very different things together to make one thing that's better. And that's what we are talking about when we talk about complements um that it is good and right for the two people in a marriage to be different like to have different ways of thinking and different passions and different jobs and personalities that's not a bad thing you know so many times in marriage we think that we need to just be more like the other person uh or we need to kind of like stuff a little bit of ourselves to to make it work but throughout the book in 10 different chapters we talk about how to fight in a way where you complement each other how to cheer each other on, how to forgive, how to lead, how to follow. What does it look like in our relationship? Because uh, I'm not the only leader in our relationship. Um, but there still is this element of we are together and we're bringing out the best in each other, like a great painting or a really epic uh, chef would do with a meal.
0: You know, Andre, those words that you use, those churchy words for you know marriage styles, maybe? I don't know, marriage ideas, in my opinion... It's like, what kind of feelings come up when you say Republican Mm -hmm. and Democrat right now? I mean, they're just so polarized and can make someone feel something automatically and assume something about someone that may not even be particularly true, but you put all this together. And so I think those words are kind of, they're very polarizing and they bring up, as soon as you said it, people were like, they got a little tense. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they about to say? Because I need to know because this is so important. And so... You know, I think that we don't use those words. Those words aren't even in the Bible. And, um, but we want, like Aaron said, we want to have like this new fresh idea of what marriage can be. Stripping away all of those maybe preconceived ideas that you might've had, whether you heard them in church from your grandma growing up or, you, you know, or in your current church right now. We just want to show like a beautiful way that God had a really important thing when he planned marriage and he values it and he believes in it. I hope that when people read it, I think, that is a fresh, you know, inviting way to think about know, When about we marriage.
1: set out to, to write this, um, well, first of all, we said there's two books that we will never write. We will never write a book on parenting and we will never write a book on marriage, right? We always said that because we are not experts. We are not marriage counselors. We don't have it all figured out. We do not have the perfect marriage. But what we started to see is like, man, um, I think what the world needs right now is not somebody to model what a perfect marriage is, but for somebody just to say, This is what's been really hard. These are the struggles that we have. And here's like a better way to do it. And we didn't invent marriage. Humans didn't invent marriage. It was God's idea. And he's really kind to give us like direction and wisdom on how to do it in a way where both people are actually so fulfilled and so content and made better because of the other person. And so when we set out to this, we were like, this is not going to be a theological book. This book does not like talk much about like, uh, you know, theology or doctrine or anything like that. Um, It's going to be a book that hopefully by the end you go, wow, it is possible to be an imperfect human and to be in love with my spouse and to do this in a really, really great way where not only we benefit from marriage, but the world around Mm -hmm. us benefits from our marriage.
3: So we wrote a book together. And in the midst of that, we've had some fights along the way in trying to write something together. So I'm curious. What, well, yeah, well,
2: wait, if what? it's coming out now, didn't you guys write it they were probably in that writing 2020 it. fighting time? I mean, yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Andre, ding, 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 ding. <laughs>
0: All the things are connecting now. Yeah,
3: I'm curious. Like, what was one of the things that you guys were like, man, we got to get on the same page in this concept?
0: When quarantine hit, you know, Early March of 2020, I would say we were both like 90% done okay. with our writing. And so then it went straight yeah. into editing. You guys know how it works. It was like you send it in and then they send it back, go back and forth. So that's publishing world. And so we were like 90% done with our writing when the the real bigness of our, you know, conflict started. But the funny thing about this book is, yes, we wrote this book together. Both of our names are there. But we actually didn't. Like, it's weird because there's two books in the set. So you get a book by Jamie Ivey and you get a book by Aaron Ivy. And you would think, oh, that we like planned out what we were going to say. No, we knew the t- we knew the titles of each chapter. But then we each wrote our own perspective and never looked at the other person's work until it came back from the editor.
1: So we did not collaborate. It wasn't like, let's make sure I we're like on the one. same page. Actually, for the reader... We want you to see where we're not on the same page or how perfectly we are on the same page and didn't even like talk about it or plan it. There was no collaboration. I did not read Jamie's book until the editor That's good. read her book.
0: And because let me tell you guys, um, as much as Aaron and I love each other, um, we don't work together for a lot of reasons. <laughs> no, we don't. So. No. We did not sit down and write this book together. We wrote it separately, sent it to our editors, and then read it, which I think is beautiful about it because it really is our own unique perspectives. But I don't know how well we would do writing
1: the book. Oh, I know how well we would do. Jamie had dreams early on. She's like, "My dream is like to write a song with you because I'm a songwriter," and uh, we tried writing a song together one time in the history of our marriage, and I was like, "Never again."
2: Nope. I think just I deserve don't a second do it chance this weekend it every, and ruin your
0: redemption. Yeah, what was weekend? the
3: name of that song? <laughs> Jeff, who, oh but God. let
0: me just tell you honestly. Listen, I want to. I want to write a song with Aaron. It, the reasons are completely selfish. Yeah, I want to see my name. On an album, she wants I money want,
1: and the money I and want
0: the fame. money and the fame. I want to write a country song with Aaron because that's where the money is. He refuses to write country songs. He only wants to write songs for the church. I'm like, come on, babe, let's do something here. Put <laughs> out a country so hit. Funny. Um, but <laughs> that is hilarious. I also used to have dreams of us. Of us working in the same office together, like one room. And we have like desks that face each other. And we just like type and type and type and type. And yeah, yeah. It, it nobody knows this because they can't see. But they are in separate offices
2: <laughs> on separate screens.
1: Well, we're we're like <laughs> 10 miles from each other right now. Yeah. That, that's how Jamie and I work together. And it works perfectly. Well, it Jeff and great. I said
2: the same thing in our writing of the book. We, we both write different chapters and we didn't really collaborate in looking at them. But we also say at the very beginning of the book, we wrote this book together. And yet there are things that he wrote that I disagree with. And there are things that I wrote that he disagrees with that are also in this book. So, you know, we're not it's not a we it's not a we everything, every idea put in here. So
3: so if there is like young, young couple getting married, they're still pretty idealistic about everything. They're, 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 they're young not couple 20 in years love, in, you know. Uh, what do you wish you would have told yourself, that young couple um, that you know to be true today about relationship and about marriage?
1: We have a lot of those um, people in our life right now. Jamie and I feel really um, like privileged. We feel really like humbled that we do have so many twenty to twenty nine year olds in our life right now. We love it. It's one of our favorite things in the world is mentoring and and helping twenty year olds like do that, make decisions and figure out how to date well and live out an engagement that is healthy and right. And I always tell them the same thing that I'm going to tell you right now that I wish somebody would have told me is build your whole relationship from day one on friendship. Like chill out, stop talking about marriage, stop talking about a date. Don't, don't plan for stuff that you don't need to plan for yet. And just have fun, like have genuine fun with each other because All of those things are going to get to that point. If marriage is in the cards for that relationship, you're going to have to talk every freaking date night about wedding plans at some point. Don't rush it though. Just chill out and have fun. Like just be really good friends because life gets really hard and it gets complex and kids make it difficult and jobs change and there's suffering and pandemics and loss. And if you're not a friend, like a deep rooted friend with your spouse, it won't work. You won't get through it. Um, So that's what I wish somebody would have told me. Jamie and I stumbled on that and found it to be so life-giving. And so that's what I tell everybody that asks, what should we be focused on as we're dating? Friendship, deep-rooted friendship.
0: I agree with that 100%. And just because I should say something, I'll add this as well, is I think another thing that's so important is when you get married, usually, for the most part, I'm sure there's exceptions, but you feel like you're on the same team. You're so excited to be together. Everything is new. I mean, for for a lot of people, you're like, oh my gosh, we get to get this apartment together and this is so crazy. I get to wake up next to you. And so you feel this idea of like oneness and teamness. But I would say that as been married for 20 years and parents to four kids and two people who work, I think one of the easiest things that we could lose sight of is the fact that we're on the same team. We could eventually just start running our own, like doing our own thing, go through the motions, end up as like really great roommates and we function well together. But there could be this like split of like we talked about earlier, like it seems like, oh, you have your thing and I have my thing. We have really tried hard to say like we have the same thing, even though it looks different. And I think what young couples don't understand is they would say that would never happen to us. We're so in love. Like, this is my best friend. I just I can't get enough of them. I want to kiss them and look at them all day long. And then you're married for 12 years. <laughs> and the mom is like, These kids keep looking at me and kissing me and touching me. And I don't want anyone to look at me. And he's like, Nobody's looked at me. So you see what I'm saying? All the things happen. And so I think there's this idea of really, really being intentional with focusing on the marriage part and so you know practically we've done that 20 years we still have dates all the time like we told y'all we're going to stay at a hotel room tonight we just are intentional on focusing on us and the thing is when you're looking at a newlywed they think duh Mm -hmm. of course who else would I focus on she's the love of my life she has all my heart and you're like okay I know that but don't forget it because in 10 years it gets harder to do that so I think that's a advice I would give
3: and now it's time for the breakdown.
0: Wow. There it is.
2: Breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. So <laughs> we've talked about this big idea, which is friendship and building everything around friendship. And I, mean, I think- That's been huge for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I think their story is similar to ours, how we started in our dating, not really dating, you pursuing, me saying no. The, our story, But is, it was all within the context of friendship. Our story is the same.
3: Aaron and I, our hearts were broken for <laughs> months and months and months.
2: Yes. I, I didn't do the engagement part, though, to break your heart even further like Jamie did. You were dating a lot of guys. Oh, okay. So I did that and broke your heart. <laughs> but I do think Which that, that that all
3: kind of came out years later, that there was some guys you were kind of oh. hanging with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Are you still hurt by this, honey?
3: I mean, we can. Are you going to let that go? We've moved on.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm just making sure. Have you moved on? Yes. Okay.
3: But one thing that I took away from this is the importance of elevating your partner. I mean, this is kind of a really cool concept. Yes. Where you're always lifting up your other person. And that's so hard. It's actually way easier to tear them down because we know how to tear them down. We know how to limit their potential. We know how to say the thing that puts them back in their place. But the idea of me lifting you up in your gifts, in your mission, in your purpose. I mean, if I, the more I do that, the reality is the more you're going to do it back to me.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I, it was kind of when Aaron was talking about how a lot of times when people come together, they like flatten out. Oh, that sounds like horrible. Like just flatten it. At, out your personalities, and then all of it blends into this like mushy gray zone of nothing. Now, the other
3: flatten out is what ends up happening is you end up wearing the same things constantly. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this I always accidental. get dressed first in the morning, and you
2: tend to. This was an accidental matching today. It happens, but we did not. But you're. I just we should don't, ask. We don't want our personalities flattening out. How? What a travesty.
3: Yes. We should ask Matt to have a counter of how many times we wear the same. We show up to In matching, <laughs> matching. unintentionally to our recordings. No, but I, I totally agree. I think, I mean, I think what he's saying is true. I mean, some of it is natural, right? The natural part of it is in relationship, you start to think the same way over a long extended period of time. But having your unique identity in the midst of your relationship is, to me, is, huge part of understanding friendship, understanding relationship. That's what keeps you coming back to each other, right?
2: Right. And I think it started like with what Jamie kind of was talking about with how you start with who you are, right? Like you know who you are, you understand your identity, you know yourself.
3: A lot of people don't.
2: No, right. A lot of people go in and like looking for that other person to help them know themselves or to help them understand who they are, which is not ideal. Like you, you want to be fully you Mm -hmm. and your most authentic I leads to the deeper we.
3: It's a big issue. Are you friends with a person that you love? Mm. It's a big issue. Is your friendship continuing to grow? Are you investing in that friendship relationship? Not, not the transactions of everyday life, but actually engaging someone that you want to continue a relationship with.
2: Right. Because, you know, as we get old and things change, and you're not going to want to have sex like you did, and you're not going to look like you did, and your bodies are going to change, and you're going to have babies, and things are going to feel very weird down there for a while. Like, there's a lot of things that happen in life that will really create a havoc on your relationship. But if there is like that foundation of friendship, then it really doesn't matter all these other things you're not able to have babies you're not you're struggling with you know your sexual you know whatever drive your all these things as you go forward in life will change but your friendship and that solid thing that could always always stay the same i'm
3: curious can you feel the difference when i am engaging you for deep friendship Versus when I'm just trying to
2: get something out of you. hundred percent in like the first 20 seconds. Yeah. And I think when I feel your honesty and the, that engagement of just wanting to know me and that in that space, I'm way more willing to be open and vulnerable and give more of myself to you than if you engage me in this place of wanting something. I think whether that's sex or this or that or agreeing with, you know, the fight or, or getting I on your go side do or,
3: something on my own or whatever it is. Yeah. I want something, I want to buy something, whatever it is. Uh I mean, this is a great tip. This is a great tip for relationships for for couples. Cuz everyone's like, you know, what what do we do for dates? at the end of the day, what your person that you love wants is for you to pursue them as a friend. Hmm. When you do that, it's authentic. It's honest. That's what dating that's how dating started,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? Because you wanted to get to know them better, yeah, but now it's become life is logistics, and I want this, and I'm doing that. And, you know, but are you pursuing your partner as a true friend? This is a big
2: issue. I think that's great. Well, that's another episode, everybody. I hope this was a good one for you. And if you need to have a redemption at a hotel room, you know, go do your thing redemption night. And that's another episode of Love or Work. This episode was recorded by Matt Owen for
0: Soul Graffiti Productions.